Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment. We, I forget exactly how I used to intro the show, but we, they pick a TV show to watch, we watch it together, and then we talk about that and a bunch of other bullshit. Uh, I'm your host, Craig Rowan. This is a very special slash not special um, episode that we're recording uh, during the times of the coronavirus. I'm going to get this out of the way really quick. Uh, this, I haven't done this podcast in a while. It's completely free. I was thinking if you have the opportunity or chance or can, uh, to donate, um, five bucks, however much you can to feeding America at feedingamerica.org. It's a food bank. They take care of people and they're doing, uh, special stuff uh, because of COVID-19. So that's uh, feedingamerica.org. If you have the means, why not? It's a nice thing to do or donate to something else. Um, okay, we are starting the show. Obviously, my guest is 3,000 miles away and not in my apartment. Um, he is a very funny comedian, and he is now one of the only guests that still exists on this podcast. And we've been weirdly, we, this, <laughs> the, many of the last few episodes of this podcast have just been uh, revolving around him and Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. He, is, he writes for uh, Seth Meyers. He is a big wig there, and um, uh-huh. he, he wears, and he, I think he wears wigs sometimes there, and he used to be the head writer of uh, The Onion, which is um, a parody newspaper that is has <laughs> been very influential over the years. Uh, Seth Reese, hey Seth. Uh, I am so excited to be doing this. I hope all the that episode heads will be okay with the fact that we are breaking decorum and I'm not yes. in your apartment. I know they can get very vocal online uh, yeah. when tradition is, <laughs> isn't adhered to, yes. but I hope that they'll just appreciate the fact that we wanted to do this, uh, not just for them, but for the world. But most important, Craig, I think you would agree, it's for Studio 60. Yes, this is very important for Studio 60. And um, because we're in the time of the coronavirus, and everything is topsy-turvy, I'm going to run out yeah. and do one tiny thing, and I'll be right back in half a second. This is so unprofessional. It's okay. I don't know. I, folks at home, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, but I just I'm want to a, say... I'm, att- I'm attending to my dog. Oh, we are uh, using Zoom technology to do this. Um, this is crazy that we can do this. It's, uh, it is pretty good. Um, I've, had many, I've had a couple of Zoom calls this week. Um, I'm pretty impressed with Zoom. Well, my conspiracy theory is that this whole thing is the Zoom corporation is behind it. I mean, like you think about this as a potential, like if you want to back up for a second and be like, this is an 80s um, like sci-fi movie, yeah, who, yeah. Benefits, who benefits from this? Yeah, you're right. I think you are right. But I don't care because it's convenient. Um, you don't care that they're the one? Yeah, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> So today I spent a lot of my day, Craig, I don't know what you did, uh, uh, being asymptomatic in a large group somewhere. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I went to, um, I went to uh, you know that there's like the naked cowboy in New York and he takes pictures? Uh, yeah. I do something similar to that in LA. Um, yeah. And uh, the thong is smaller. Like it just, oh, it's cool. like, you know how like thongs are for the butt, like go in the butt? 
but yeah. mine also does that on the penis. Oof. Hey. <laughs> I know. Getting very slick. I'm, hey, so we haven't talked to each other in a long time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny that now our relationships solely revolves around this bit. It's true. It's true. Like, it's the, the idea that we're still doing this with this show, I'm not, I don't want to be, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, maudlin? Uh, what's that? Maudlin? No, not maudlin. No, no, uh, not maudlin, not saccharine. Racist? Uh, racist? No, not racist. Uh, uh, it's, I, I don't want to say we're on the spectrum. But the, our, our 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 commitment to this to do to do this is spectrumy. Yes, it is. Well, I I, yeah. I, I, I should also say that um, I have to give a shout out because once in a while I do get tweets and I do get Instagram messages. Like this might sound like bullshit, but recently one of the reasons that this is on my um, that I reach out to you was somebody. Did I did I send did I send you the image that somebody on, tw on oh, yes. Instagram sent me an uh, sent me a uh, Aaron Sorkin interview from the New York Times and was like you have to you have to do this you have to um, do this again so I don't know who that is I can't find the message but thank you and thanks for all the people but yes this is so stupid that we're doing this um, yeah why don't you for for someone who hasn't ever listened to this show or the previous episodes where we've talked to Studio 60, why don't you give, and I'm sure we've done this on every episode and I haven't listened to them back, and I certainly will never listen to them back, but um, wh what is Studio 60 and why do you love slash um, potentially hate slash potentially have no opinion about this show? Uh, Studio 60 was a television drama that came out, I think 40 years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think last week it was about eight years ago, and now it's about forty years ago. It's it's. I mean, it's it's. It came out like over a decade ago at this point, right? I, I think it was two thousand and six, two thousand seven. Oh my god! So it's, it's uh, when it's when it's when Thirty Rock also premiered right. because they were so similar. Right. People thought. People thought. Yeah. So it is. Uh, it is a backstage drama of what goes on at a Saturday Night Live type sketch comedy show. Uh, it was written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, it was, it was going to be huge and the budget was so high and there were, everyone was really banking on Studio 60 being just like this fucking meteor. Uh, of, and it was like network television, like, God, give him this drama. It's Aaron Sorkin. It's after the West Wing. It's, and then it was one of the worst programs ever made, but also uh, potentially one of the best. <laughs> I mean, it depends. It really, it really depends uh, uh, what you define as guilty pleasure or what you define as pure pleasure. Um, well, I think someone said to me, I don't know if I read this or I heard somebody say this, but like the, the term guilty pleasure is like, why, why do we need that? You know, like even if you, even if you, and I'm not saying you're, I'm not, I'm just saying like, you you love the show even if it's for maybe the wrong reasons it yeah. is a true love of the show and you're That's allowed true. to and there shouldn't be an uh a shame surrounding your quote-unquote guilty pleasures this is a big this also i mean i'm sure we've covered this in other ones but you also spent a good 
probably, I don't know, a period of time, you still do it on Twitter. You are the character Matt Albee, who's one of the lead characters on Twitter. You don't have a personal Twitter account. You only have Matt Albee yeah. 60. So this is, this is, I wouldn't say in your obituary, this would be a significant portion of your life, but this is a footnote in your life for sure. Well, it's certainly a deep dive that keeps on getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm definitely like in the, I'm in, definitely in the trenchiest of trenches of the deepest ocean. Uh, but yeah, my, my Twitter account is MattAlby60. I, I tweet as if I am the head writer of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, Matthew Perry's character, as if Studio 60 was a real sketch comedy concern. Um, and I have no intention of stopping. Um, but here, this is what I have to ask you is I'm on, I am on Twitter and every yeah. once in a while, like, you know, I don't think you tweet as him all the time. Like you, you don't, but what, what prompts you? <laughs> Sometimes I'll just be like, there's Seth. He's doing it again. <laughs> so he's I talking think, about this. He's talking about this Friday's episode of Studio 60. Well, I think some things that I always, well, one thing that I've really enjoyed probably in the past couple of years is anytime someone gets fired or leaves the Trump administration, <laughs> they are always welcomed as a cast member or writer to Studio 60. Um, <laughs> anytime, like, somebody, anytime somebody like high profile goes to jail, I'm always very sad because they were such a good writer at Studio 60 or a good <laughs> cast member at Studio 60. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I probably don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't do it as often as I used to do it, but like, I still definitely think about it and I open up Twitter a lot and I think, oh, maybe, I don't know. And then, uh, you know, sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll, one will blow up, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude, dude, you go viral. I mean, I'm not talking about coronavirus. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that should be jerked out. Um, yeah, it can be. I mean, it can be. So, yeah, of course, of course. Actually, so that's a good segue. <laughs> of course, it yeah. can be. What the fuck were we talking about? It's an absolutely god awful, horrifying thing that's happening. It makes us feel helpless. It absolutely can yeah. make fun of. It's about helpless. Yes. <laughs> it's pu it's punching up also to um pun to hit coronavirus. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, it's totally punching up because coronavirus is fucking the Mac Daddy King. And we're yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to bring um, it down a few notches. No, I think by saying it's the Mac Daddy King, you brought it down maybe one notch too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, so this episode, so I asked you to choose an episode of Studio 60 um, yeah. to, for us to watch and talk about. We haven't watched it yet. We're going to watch it um, after we talk. Yeah. I know why, but why did you choose? The episode is titled... Um, it's titled B12. B12. And actually... And actually um, Somebody tweeted this at me. They were like, basically mentioned this episode of Studio 60. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, that. And then when you said you wanted to do this, I was like, oh, this, that's the perfect one to do uh, for this, um, for this, for, for the podcast. So, but yeah, like everyone gets sick uh, and dies of coronavirus. No, everyone gets sick. <laughs> and, and <laughs> it was very prescient. It was very prescient. <laughs> Everyone dies of a uh, super of a super virus, uh, a fast spreading super virus, and Harriet's a super spreader. No, so uh, um, everyone gets sick in the cast, uh, and they still got to put on a show, and you know it's fun, and 
it'll make us think about Studio 60 and life and coronavirus. And, but the, the important thing to remember, Craig. Yes, thank you. They all beat the disease. Wow. Wow. They all beat the sickness that happens, except for four of the cast members who die. <laughs> but they were expendable, weren't they? Expendable, and I they're think expendable, and they had underlying health issues. So and also, so and also, I think they also wanted to give their lives to help others. I think that they sort of were. They were like, "Our time is past. We're not yeah. healthy for whatever reason. Either we're too old, and it's like let's make way." for these healthy people and we're going to yeah. sacrifice ourselves. Their last words were, get this ventilator off me. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. Get, get it off. Get away from me. <laughs> get this ventilator off of me. So um, <laughs> we're going to, do you want to watch the episode now? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Let's, let's, um, let's fucking watch it, man. Yeah. Uh, I love you very much. And I will talk to you soon when we're done. All right. Great. All right. Bye-bye. So I'm going to end the meeting and then I will, we can, we can text during if you want and I'll call you back through the meeting. You should leave this in the podcast. Oh, definitely. This is <laughs> Thanks, Craig. All right. You're welcome. We'll so touch base, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. The guy in Gross Point just killed everybody and then himself. He killed the kids? Yeah. Well, it would be in bad taste to do the sketch. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. It's one of those. They're all right. They're pros. Good. Because we're going to come up with something in the next 20 minutes, rehearse it, and put it in the end of the show by the end of the show. You don't want to just put back something from the dress? I think the four of us can top it. Something simple using the same set. You're just going to wing it? No, no, no. We're going to wing it. Take 10 minutes to think on your own, and then we'll pitch. I have to say that that was such a terrible episode of television. That was truly awful. And also, weirdly, the, the title of the episode and the virus itself had z almost zero like impact on that episode at all. No, but at least we do know that viruses can spread. And that we know. This easily could have been called um, murder-suicide. And it would have been more appropriate. <laughs> well, the funny, thing was, the funny thing was, they were, even though, like, this murder, this hostage situation was taking place. And they were still going to put up a sketch about a hostage situation. Yes, yeah. Whether or not people died or not is... is doesn't matter at that point if if something's under siege you wouldn't put up a sketch about something being under siege you cut it to begin with it's brutal it's brutal there's so much death in this episode so basically this has a, do all episodes have a flashback element to it no no but structure wise i kind of structure wise i kind of enjoy this uh, episode i like what it was trying to do with the structure sure but <laughs> But basically throughout the week, there's a hostage situation going on in Gross Point, Michigan. And, yeah. and, um, and they're tasked with writing a sketch. The whole 
in the previous episode, the whole staff has left except for two writers who not only are new, but don't know how to write sketch comedy for some reason. At all. They were hired to be professional sketch comedy writers and don't know what a premise is, don't know what a joke is, and they need to bring in a, a devastated post-traumatic stress disorder suffering man in order to yeah, help they, them out with it. They bring, back, they bring Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall, who's, who's in the show, whose husband and child were killed in a car crash. And this is, is that how they were killed? Wife and child. It was wife and child, right? What did I say? Husband? Husband, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been more interesting. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah. And, you know, and he, he brought back to, like, to uh, usher in these new writers for some reason. And, you know, he was in charge of the comedy on the show. Yes, in real life. In real, in real life. life. He was in charge of the sketches on the show. Um, and so, yeah, he's supposed to help these two writers do this one sketch. By the way, I wrote down this line because it's fucking phenomenal. I, I, might, I might have written down the same one. I wrote down one line and I'm guessing it might be the same line. Well, here's how it's presented that they're going to write this sketch. Matt says to them, do you guys want to take a whack at writing a sketch about an incredibly bad criminal? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's how it works, right? You work in late night. That's essentially what, uh, how a pitch would go, right? Yeah, Seth comes in and says, do you guys want to write a sketch about a potentially dumb audience member? <laughs> that's, do you guys want to write a sketch about a potentially dumb person who interacts with me? It's so great. My, the one I wrote down was, I think, the only where, you know, like, I feel like this show, it's an Aaron Sorkin thing. So, it, like, at moments, it just hits the mark. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, like, yeah. it, like you feel what you're supposed to feel in that moment, even if it's manufactured or whatever. Yeah. But he's like, so basically, the two writers are really bad. And Chandler, um, Matt Alvey, is not giving them the chance, or he knows they're not going to get anything on. And then Mark McKinney's character says, um, they need, they need to be, they have to have their sketch in the, uh, why does it say, my connection's unstable. Hopefully this records. Um, but uh, he says, like, they should get a chance in the dress rehearsal. And he says the line is like, let them hear what 300 people not laughing sounds like. And I was like, that's a good Aaron Sorkin line. So Craig, uh, you can you might be able to edit this, but you are getting a little choppy, so I'm oh, okay. worried that it won't. Uh, okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you now, but it got a little choppy when you were doing that. So I'll just back up for a sec. Okay. The audio is choppy because we're using Zoom, which Seth likes, but I think is behind the coronavirus. But what, <laughs> I, what I was saying is that Mark McKinney says that the two writers have to have their sketch at the dress rehearsal. And his line is, let them hear what 300 people not laughing feels like. Or something, yeah. I forget. But I was like, that's a great, that's like, that's an Aaron Sorkin. You know what I mean? Also an Aaron Sorkin line, when they're talking about what Mark McKinney's been doing, he's been, he was adapting a play from English to Dutch. And Danny Tripp says, the comic rat-tat-tat of Osborne's play, I'm sure soars in Dutch or something like that. It's like, oh, God. You're so annoying. Also, but one thing I will say I really liked about this episode. Uh, I think Danny Tripp is excellent in the monologue. Bradley, uh, he's, he is really good in it. He, uh, Howie Mandel is the host. Yeah. And they do a um, Deal or No Deal parody. 
which is a great also network cross promotion. Um, yeah. But he does this great thing. Uh, Bradley Whitford does this great thing with his glasses in the monologue where they're on his forehead and then they sort of, he lets them sort of fall to his face. Uh, and it's very, very, yeah, he does that. It's, it, he does that and then no one's going to see that, but it was, Craig did it, uh, glasses for glasses. It was great. So, um, it was a great moment. Yeah, he, and I, I, I clocked that as well because I've done that before and I respect yeah. it. And he was, and he was, he was really, he played a really good sort of Lorne Michaelsy figure in the monologue. But I was like, have they set him up? Because when they did that, like Harry Mandel is hosting and he's like, and Danny Tripp comes up and he's like, wait, 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 or something. And Harry Mandel's like executive producer, Danny Tripp. But have they, is this the first, like within the world of the show, people know that he's the Lorne Michaelsy guy? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Craig, these are two fucking icons, right, sketch right. comedy icons. They know who Matt Albee and Danny Tripp are. Thank you very much. I, actually, of all the times I've done this podcast, I've never been offended. This is the first time I've been offended. Actually, I think you were offended last time because I had a um, blood glucose low because I'm diabetic, and you said that I was um, weak, maybe unclean, or or <laughs> or, or um, like. Something that was really mean about me being less of a person. I would probably said weak. Yes, yeah, it was, it was, something, it was something like that. So uh, you were offended by my disease. But uh, yeah. go, in, go into your bathroom and unweaken or whatever you have to do yeah. to unweaken. Yeah. Um, so, but no, yes, but, I apologize. I did just shit on the world of Studio 60. And of course, I, people know who Matt Albee and Danny Tripp are. They're like the stars. They're, it's like, we. they're like the the... Kenward and uh, Kenward? <laughs> trying to think of another Kenward. SNL writer. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I like uh, literally when you said that, I was like, "Do you mean Woodward and Bernstein?" Like I had no, no idea. No, no, no. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're they're fucking stars. Um, so I really, I did really appreciate the monologue. I actually thought I kind of liked the uh, the willingness to do the uh huh. Uh-huh, into the phone for longer than it should be. I thought that but was I was I was thinking I agree with you. I was like, oh, yeah. that's pretty good. But I was like, in reality, that that would never be on that show. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna actually disagree with you again there, Craig. Uh because <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought know, what I, they were doing, I thought what they were doing, which they didn't do, but would have made sense, was I thought they were stretching the sketch out because they didn't have any writers and all the actors were sick, but that didn't even play into it at all. Don't forget though, Craig, that was before the person in Gross Point uh, killed himself and blew the brains out of his family. That's, that, right. that, right. that's <laughs> true. I, I wasn't keeping that in mind. Yeah, but, that, that but, didn't happen until after. Can you imagine if your staff of a show that you're working on, if everyone quit except for two people who have never written the show, and then every single cast member, except for one person, was fainting and sweating. That would be, and they're just like, that's not the, the episode basically barely mentions it besides for saying those things. No, it's really not, yeah, it's really not about that at all. Cause um, in fact, we never, do we never see the sketch? The spit do sketch? We see everyone's, do we see everyone's spit on Harriet? No. We never actually even see it. 
No, you see them spit. They do. They practice spit takes earlier, but they, there's a sketch right. idea because because I'm um, a man kills all of his family, including his children, and yeah. his so. brains out. He, they can't do the sketch about the bad criminal. Um, right. So they have <laughs> who takes someone hostage. Who takes him? He he like at some point, if if you wanted to do a sketch about a bad criminal, that's one thing. But when you saw it going in the direction of he's actually a bad uh, hostage taker, I think you should have nipped. I think Mark Kinney should have nipped that in the bud and said, "Well, actually, there's this major national news story going on about uh, someone taking a family hostage. So I think we should actually not do that." Wait, because you're saying that you're saying you're saying the actual Mark McKinney, not the character on the show. He should have said this is a, no, the character on the show. I think the okay. character on the show. <laughs> I was like, yes, like that would be a discussion of like that would have made no, that episode much more interesting. Wouldn't even be a discussion. It'd yeah. be a two-second conversation. Like, no, of course we're not going to do a hostage-taking sketch because there's a massive hostage-taking national news story going on. We would look mentally ill if we put that on television. So. <laughs> But apparently they just let it go. Well, all if they weren't lucky enough that the that the man killed his entire family and blew his brains out until after they did the sketch. <laughs> well, that, and, that, and that's also the thinking. Like, say this happens on Friday night and Saturday it happens. They're going to look bad either way. Yes. And it's also really funny because the other part of the episode is about Jordan. Um, uh, what's her last name? McDear. Of course. Jordan McDear, who's the head of NBS. Yeah, and, and her the perception of her in the news media as the female head, and they're so caring about that, and that's so important. Which is something that I don't know any president of any like as a viewer, I rarely know who's right. in charge, and they are so. The writer of the show is so caring about her perception, and they don't give a shit about the actual optics of what that sketch would look like on TV. Also. Craig, and to those of you who played along and did watch at home. Everybody. I would say 90, 95 to 99%. Right. Did we catch the rape joke at the end of New yes. City? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? It was so crazy. Well, here's what I was saying. I was like, okay, they're doing a it rape joke. It wasn't good rape. It wasn't good. It was weird, bad. It was about rape losses In and how you need four people, four witnesses, but which is okay. If you're going to tackle that, fine. That was the last joke of their weekend update thing. They were like, and good night. Yeah, good night. It's like, first off, at the end of like, before a good night, it's usually like something like very sexual or something very off color. It's like, all right, let's get out of here. But not like the most evocative, horrifying concept you could possibly think of. And then here's the joke, good night. It was so bad. And so that was like another thing. Like this episode is tone deaf. It totally is. Yes. And, I no, think, and not even in a PC way. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is coming from someone who like is fond of the show. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. When we started like watching and I saw the logo and the previously on and Ricky and Ron and peripheral vision, man, I got a little warm and tingly. Cause it was like, finally I'm back to when I was happy in life. But but as it went, as this episode specifically went on, I texted you. I was like, this is terrible. Yes, I think you also, no, first you texted me, this is a great episode at the way beginning. Oh, well, a great episode because what a good one to do. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's yeah. like, yes, it's truly, yeah, it, it's, I can't imagine watching this. I can't even imagine 
what people who are making it would think of this. It was so brutal. And also like, I think this is a, a constant in the show. Correct me if I'm wrong, you are the professor. Mm. Um, but the Sarah Paulson character is made to look so awful as a, she is the anchor of the equivalent of Weekend Update and the whole subplot, which is just a very light like B or C, st- C story, is her not being able to tell a joke. A simple like classic like joke book joke. And it's just like this character, they're just being like, this character is a dumb idiot. Dumb idiot. Um, I would say it should be a D or L story. Yes. <laughs> but also... Do you mean D.L. Hewley? <laughs> it's a D.L. Hewley story. But also, I mean, the craftsmanship of weaving in the bantery joke about asking Danny if he's pregnant with the B12 shot, the yeah, foreshadowing yeah. Yes, of when yeah. Jordan doesn't want the B12 shot. I mean, this is, this is genius writing. Yes, yes. To, to subtly pepper it in there. Yes, they did do a good the payoff at the end. Now, let me ask you as professor. Yeah. Um, Danny Tripp is the father, correct? Did we, did we miss this? No, no, he's not the father. Oh, that would be so much more interesting. No, he's not the father. He, okay. he just, he ends up being the father of t- taking care of the child because they, they end up getting together. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, the one, I would say the one thing, some things about this episode I did like. Um, I do think Jack Rudolph is a great character and I always like him. I always think his scenes are good. Wait, I always Steven Weber? Yeah, I think he's good. He's I think good. like his, because he always like, he's like a dickhead, but then he's also like, he also wants Jordan to succeed. And I think that's, I don't know. I think it's done really well. I think, he, I think he is a great actor. Yes, like he's, he's never, been a, big, he's he's never been a big movie star or anything like that. But I, I do think like he's always so very good and stuff. Well, you know what? I'm not going to lie. When I listened to the almost 20-hour Stephen King It yes. um, uh, tape, he was the voice. Uh, he, he read it because he was also on the made-for-TV movie of The Shining, which is yes, more... Yes, was. The one that Stephen King likes. Yeah, well, the one that Stephen King for some reason likes. Um, uh, well, actually, we should talk about that for a second. So, like, um, I finally watched Dr. Sleep. Oh, I haven't. Maybe I should watch that since I have... In an insane amount of time on my hands. Um, I mean, I I like Stephen King. I think he does excellent stuff. Um, Doctor Sleep is terrible. Uh, it, it's truly heinous. But the funny thing about Doctor Sleep is everyone's watching it, waiting for them to go to the Overlook Hotel. Sure. Which does happen in the third act of the movie. However. In the book, Dr. Sleep, they do not go back to the Overlook Hotel, apparently. <laughs> and it's like, hey, buddy, give me the Overlook Hotel. Right, yes. That's, yeah. why, that's why I'm in this. But here's the question. So, so, they did, so they do go to Overlook in the movie. Yes. They've done the book. Now, did Stephen King approve of yes. this? Yes, the writer, director, the writer director of the movie pitched Stephen King a certain scene he wanted to do in the Overlook Overlook Hotel and Stephen King was like, that's a good scene. Okay, go ahead. That's so funny because he apparently really dislikes the Kubrick one, which is obviously much better than and, the book. Well the, well, the reason that Stephen King, I know this, this, this has been well documented. We'll get back to Studio 60. Oh, who gives but, a but the, the one reason that I think Stephen King doesn't like it, and there are, better, there are bigger Stephen King scholars out there than I am, but um, is that in the book, 
Jack is a recovering alcoholic, but he starts out as like a good guy and he slowly descends into madness. Right. And his problem with Kubrick's movie was it looks like Jack Nicholson's going to fucking snap at any second (laughs) from the jump. And he's not wrong. Uh, It it absolutely does look like that, but it's still a really amazing movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's just... Also, what's interesting about it is like Shining is a very big deal in Dr. Sleep. I assume it's a very big deal in the book, like the ability to like telekinetically like communicate all that kind of stuff. It's really not a big deal in the movie at all. The no, it's not. It's not. It's not. And I'm sure well, like, the, so the, whole, the whole thing in the book is that basically, yeah, is like communicating with the hotel and the hotel actually sort of has like a voice. I read it. It's not, a, I mean, whatever everybody knows like Stephen King is a great he makes great stories and all yeah like you go down to like line by line I don't his writing is I don't enjoy his writing but um uh but in the book there are multiple if you're reading it I would say to anybody listening there are multiple descriptions of testicles that are very funny and very bad well he likes doing that he li- I think he likes the word like prick and like that kind of yeah. thing he, my favorite sentence that he ever wrote was in his uh JFK assassination book I think it's in that one but it's one of the worst sentences I've ever read. So, which actually makes it great. So I guess I'm, I'm, it's a, a guilty pleasure sentence, <laughs> but um, it's, I wanted to say it, I, I want to say it felt like a spider, but it didn't. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's just a sentence that doesn't need to exist. <laughs> and, and that being said, Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I've never seen, I was just watching Shawshank Redemption the other day. Um, great. But I've never seen the Green Mile because I felt I like. the Green Mile is great. Okay, I'll watch it. Um, and I think his other stuff is great. And I think you're an asshole. Uh, well, there's uh, some other things that I, oh, do you remember the, let's get back to the episode for a second. Okay, so, well, you are the host of this. So let's, yeah, let's. <laughs> No, what, no, did you have stuff? You have stuff. What do you got? What do you got? You know, no, 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 please, please. I'm, I'm kidding because I have no idea. <laughs> I, I wrote down, here, here are the things that I wrote down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what did you write? <laughs> well, this is just a line from the episode. Yeah. Mark McKinney, when, when he learns, when, when Chandler comes in and says um, uh, the, about the standoff and it's ended and they yeah. filled, and he goes, Mark McKinney, in this show about a comedy show, he goes, Mark McKinney goes, he killed the kids like like that's just so heavy it's so but, fucking not, but, there, but the studio 60 is not a comedy it's a drama no i no i understand that it's just the idea that it's based around a comedy show and the way that they talk right. about things is so dramatic and like obviously it's a dramatic situation but it's just like that's not the world that he, the world he wants it to be is not what the world of that show is but also what's even more egregious when he tells Matt, like, hey, they can take it. They're pros. It's like, yes. no, wait a minute. <laughs> That's fucking annoying. They're not pros. But I, I thought he was, I thought he, uh, Danny Tripp was saying that to build up their confidence because what he was saying, Mark McKinney's whole thing was, we need to, like, you need to give this guy, show them the heavy hand, but also show them the heart. The way yeah. that Wes taught us when we were coming up. So when yeah. he called them pros, I thought that was like, hey, you guys are part of the team. Yeah, you're part of the team now for because it took you 15 tries to write one very bad sketch about a thing a thing you shouldn't have been writing about in the first place. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine writing 
15 drafts of a sketch and not, and, and, and in the 13th draft, which they talk about, they don't know the guy reading it, who's essentially the head writer in that moment saying, I don't know what this is about. Yeah, that's, that's very, I will say like, if we're talking about real life, I tend to think that if it's not there on the first one, there's no reason to ever go back to it because it's a sketch. Like, forget it. It's, it wasn't, it, it wasn't it, funny. Don't, you don't need to work on it again. It's done. That, it's, it's, it's true. I, I, but I, I, what? That said, because um, I worked for Scott Ackerman uh, for, for a little spell, and he feels the opposite. And he gets good, and he's really good at like, he's really good at like working something over and over and over again, and it then being something good. So like, I don't well, know. I think, I would think my philosophy is more, I haven't written sketch in a long time, but um, is like, there can be a funny premise in a bad, like you, you can look at the yeah, first yeah, yeah. and be like, oh, this clearly doesn't work, but this part, this idea is really funny. Let's work on that. You know, like that you can, you can find nuggets and you can right. create stuff. But, um, and I'm sure there are great sketches that are 15, 15 drafts. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> uh, the idea that, the idea that literally, also they showed her screen, the writer's screen, when, when they were talking about that sketch. And there was a block. Chunk. It was a huge chunk. Yeah, there's no way that's good. Um, so much dialogue. Do you remember the sketches that he takes off the board? <laughs> no, please, please. Okay, don't. so there, I wrote a couple of them. Metric conversion is one of them. <laughs> uh, bedtime stories is another. And I think it's bad clamps. I don't think it's bad clams. I think it's bad clamps. I hope it's bad clamps because that's very funny. I. I I think it's bad clamps, which could, which could be funny. Um, also, one of the actors in Jordan McDear's meeting, I think is in those like uh, Ameritrade commercials with the guy, the very soothing guy with the good, well-coiffed hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of the actors that he talks to is, is in the Jordan McDear quorum that she has there. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Um. <laughs> One of the other things that I thought was very of the moment was the, um, they're talking about, what's the movie that, that they're talking about that, um, what's his name? Uh, who's the executive, who's Bradley Whitford again? Bradley Whitford is the executive producer of, oh, Danny Tripp. Danny Tripp. Danny Tripp's movie that only made $9 million. Well, no, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, Peripheral Vision? Bob Corddry's brother. Oh, oh, Nate Cordry's movie. Yeah, it's it's Nate Cord and Tom Tom Jeter's movie Tom only Jeter. makes nine million. Tom Jeter's movie only makes nine million dollars, and it's a failure. But it's it's an indie movie that only made nine million dollars. That's not that bad. That sounds pretty good. But they're talking about an article, and and the writer from uh, whatever the New York Times is there. Christine and, Lottie. Well, it's it's like a Marine Dowd. Uh, yes, but she she she's so big that she has a um, her own director's chair with her name on it. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about he that they quote Martha like, O'Dell, right? Is that Martha O'Dell? Is that what? Yeah, it is? I think that's right. Yeah, and and they're talking about the article, and they mentioned that she she rips a um, quote from a blogger, and the blogger's name is Dilbert Twenty Seven. Yes, at at ain'titcoolnews.com. Yeah, <laughs> I think Mal is a reputable. Uh... <laughs> yes, but also like the idea of like in two thousand six, two thousand seven, it's like uh, I don't know. Uh, of course, Gilbert, Gilbert. So that's like, that is an area where Aaron Sorkin 
in every piece of writing he's ever done always comes off as like, you know the point he wants to make, but he comes off as such an elitist curmudgeon asshole that I almost like want Dilbert to succeed. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, what's wrong with Dilbert? He's, he's working for any cool. He call cause he calls like the people who on Twitter, like the pajama people. I think he calls that in studio 60. He calls them the pajama people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's, I, whereas I mostly agree with the sentiment, the way he goes about stating it makes me like the pajama people more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love it. Like, that's, because by the way, I, I'm sure if we watch, we, if everyone listens to these podcasts, all the ones we've done together, I love Aaron Sorkin. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love him. And I think he's done, I think he's ultimately now his movie career is better than his TV career. But like, he has this, strain of elitism that flows through everything he does and it makes him not look great yeah yeah he's not a he isn't he isn't a man of the people oh i would i would say um and and when he tries to be a man of the people it's like i'm trying to be a man of the people now yeah he well he's very he's all about gravitas and that's not very relatable Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> on, a hum, on a human level, that's not very relatable. Wait, um, I was trying to think. I think last time we did this, and I'll never listen to the previous episode, so yeah. I don't know. But I think the, when, the last time we did this, perhaps the last movie he had done was Molly's Game. Um, yeah. And now, has he done one since? I forget. Uh, uh, well, so he wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, right, right. Did you, right it? did you see it? I did see it. Did you enjoy it? I think it's kind of a flaccid penis of a play. <laughs> so that's a yes, you did. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great review. Dilbert 27 says it's a flaccid <laughs> penis of a play. Um, uh, but I will, before we get to, I will eventually tell one thing. That, but um, Mo, I thought Molly's game was, I thought Molly's game was pretty good. I ultimately enjoyed Molly's game. Um, I think I'm in the minority here. I kind of love Jobs. I, I actually really I I watch Jobs in the throes of a um I, of a manic right. episode. Okay. Did we talk about this? It, I think we did. We had to have. But yeah, I'm sure we did. But I but my memory of it is that it's I really liked it, and I like the structure of it. I yeah, it's so cool. Great idea. I thought it was like really a cool. It felt like a play. Yeah. Um. Um. But the one thing I was gonna say is that like for, also like the American president is incredible. Uh, West Wing is incredible. Social Network is incredible. Moneyball is one of my favorite movies. Um, A Few Good Men is fucking incredible. Like he has an amazing, oh, of amazing, course. Yeah. amazing career and like has done more than I'll ever do. And, but one thing that I will always be grateful to him and I'm sure this is in other episodes, which was like fucking class move and I appreciated it. I did a sketch on late night called the Sorkin sketch. And you know, it was like, it was like a parody. It was a, it was us asking Seth if we were going to do an Aaron Sorkin parody sketch, but the whole thing is done like an Aaron Sorkin parody. Right, right, right. I think, Um, I think you talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing was backstage and he's in the sketch and I met him and that was great. And backstage he like asked me, he asked me, he's like, just real fast. Your name again is, and I was like, Seth Reese. And he's like, okay, great, great, great. And when he walked out, when they introduced him for his interview, 
which was right after the sketch aired. He was like, that sketch was written by Seth Reese. Uh, and uh, I really, I re you know, I really liked it. And uh, he's, you know, he's fighting to get something on the air and I, I messed up his last line. So I, I apologize. And like, but that was, that is entirely cool. That's a class. That's a total cool, total cool move. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I like, I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. And I, I've had like a lot of really great moments at late night that have been wonderful, but like, I don't think that that will ever be topped. Like that, just like that whole feeling. Cause that was kind of also like kind of the big, the first big film piece that we did. And everyone just, when you do those things, like everyone, all the departments kind of come together to do something really cool. Like, and that's just such a great feeling. And so when it's done and it goes well, there's such a lovely release of camaraderie and energy. And, and then for him to say that when he came out for his interview, I was like, that's crazy. That like doesn't happen. That's that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I I'll never forget that. This episode of television sucked. So <laughs> and, and, and to, kill, to kill Mockingbird was a flaccid penis. Flaccid penis of a show. So <laughs> that being said. Before we go though, and I know you're the host of the episode. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I love how you're dictating everything. <laughs> You are essentially when you're on here, you're co-hosting the studio. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, that's I don't mind it. I'm just <laughs> pointing it out. Um, before we go though, how are you doing? How's life? Yeah. What's like? What's if, new? Do you have if, kids or anything? I have thirteen. I have thirteen kids. Okay. Um, they're all over the place, and homeschooling them right now is a pleasure. Great. Um, no, um, doing pretty good. We no kidding. Good. She's doing well. Good. Um, and this is just a weird fucking time. Yeah, totally. It's really weird. And like, I mean, um, what are you working on? Are you working on something you're excited about? I was just working on um, Bless This Mess, which is oh, great. Uh, uh, which is on ABC. But sort of, I would say, sort of. Luckily, the season ended like two weeks before all the shit went down. So. Uh, meaning that everything was shot and everything and yeah, yeah. we didn't have to worry about the ramifications of having to make a show. So, ramifications well, of the vid. Of, of the vid 19. Um, yeah. How are you and how was what, I mean, like, do you mind? I know we don't, I don't really talk about career stuff here, but uh, that much, but what was the, what happened with the show when this was going to, I mean, like, was it? So actually this is pretty fun. Um, uh, it all moved so fast. Um, like, I think it was like Thursday. Okay, no, Wednesday, it was announced that the next week there would be no shows. No, no, Wednesday it was announced that the next week there would be shows without an audience. Right. Okay. So then Thursday we had a table read of all these sketches without an audience to do. And then on Thursday, things were starting to, things were starting to get weird, get weird. And on Thursday it was announced there would be no audience for that night show. Wow. Okay. And then it was announced. And then I think Broadway closed. 
So then it was announced that that night shows canceled. Whoa. And then it was just like, well, this is a matter of time before we find out the next week's shows are canceled. And then the next week's shows were canceled. It all happened within a space of, I think, 90 minutes. That's so crazy. Yeah, and it, and it, it really did feel like like now I think we've settled into a very horrifying, bizarre normal. Yeah. For but sure. like at that moment when you're in Rockefeller center and like all these things are happening really fast, you think, Oh, I'm, I'm in the middle, like, the middle of a war zone. Like it's all happening. Like, and everyone's going to be rushing out and it's rushing out to the streets. And we, we all need to get home as soon as we, we must all get home as soon as possible. Like yeah. that's what it felt like. I, I thought it felt like in that way, because um, I had like, um, Meryl had this on the radar for a while. So she'd been like prepping some stuff, but I was going to do a show on Tuesday, which is like two days before your thing. And I was like, and my uncle's an infectious disease doctor. And, and so we got some, we just decided to cancel a trip to New York. That was in like three weeks. It's, it's yeah. not an idea to travel. And then I, I skipped a show because of it. And then, but like on Thursday into Friday, I was like, once everything started closing, it, it felt like, this will sound weird, but the feeling of like 9-11, like when- Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it was just like complete confusion and just like, what is going, like, like, I was worried that people were going to panic and be starting to be super weird. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. like, like it was, it was scary. And I wasn't in Rockefeller Center, but it was just like this thing of like being in a major city. And the interesting thing was, it, it, you know, being in Rockefeller Center on 9-11 means, in being in New York City on 9-11 means something because the, the event happens. So you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're just in closer, you don't feel the world weight of it as in like, this is a historic event because you're, I would assume you're in the city and that is crazy. But for some odd reason, just by virtue of being in Rockefeller Center during this thing, you feel like, it's happening all around you yeah. or something, yeah. even though it's like, you can't tell because it's a virus and like, it just feels like, but it feels like it's, oh, it's like, it feels like if we go to the sidewalk right now, we're gonna be trampled on by a horde of marauding people or yeah. something, yeah. but that's like not what was going on either, but it just felt like that. Um, and then, um, I think I went out to dinner that night. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went to a you went to a kissing party. Yeah, I went to a kissing. I went to I went to a socially non distant party, um, but it was um, that wasn't funny. And I hope you edit it. So like, <laughs> hey, by the way, not only am I not going to edit that, I think any time where we said maybe we'd edit something, I don't think I'm even going to do that. Great, that's fine. Okay. Um, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, it was pretty weird. And now I'm in New York City now uh, in Brooklyn and you know, I'm doing my best, you know, like, I, like the city, like there's nobody in restaurants. Uh, it's pretty, it's so dead outside. Uh, I go on runs every day. I, sometimes there are like people out there, but everyone's I think doing their best to be distant. Um, and you know, when it gets to a point where it's like, it could be on this bag, it could be on this delivery bag. Right, I, yeah. it, it, no, yeah, I'm going, I I've washed my hands 90 times. Yesterday I did, I tried to do it less today out of freak out because I've, I haven't been leaving except for walking the dog and biking. But, yeah. uh, but like, uh, yeah, like taking care of packages and stuff. It's just like a whole routine. But, um, oh, I was thinking, 
since some of our listeners, I feel like a lot of people might have time on their hands. Do you want to give maybe, I'm putting on the spot, but um, some viewing suggestions, yeah. maybe in the Sorkin, I mean, you already mentioned a lot of things that you like of his, but either yeah. um, something, and it doesn't even need to be Sorkin, but I, let's, you know, if there's something you want people to watch or check out. Um, something to watch or check out. Actually, I would, I'm going to recommend a book. Great. Uh, because it's a kind of a delightful book. Um, uh, it's called A Gentleman in Moscow. Um, and it's, it's new-ish. Um, it's by Amor Tolls. Um, and it's a kind of a guy, uh, who, um, he used to be like a, I think I'm going to get this. I hope I don't get it. He's like, he used to be a Russian oligarch. And then when like there was revolution, they all lost everything. And he had, he has to sequester himself in a hotel and he's uh, by himself in a hotel. Uh, and he has to work, he ends up working in the hotel and it's, it's a good, it's a delightful book. And it also kind of gets into the joys of being alone and sort of like the joys of what that kind of life can bring you. So, and it's, just a fun read. So I would say that is a good one. That would be a good one. That's my book. That's a recommendation. The Gentleman in Moscow. Gentleman in Moscow. That sounds yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to think of something to recommend. Okay. Um, but I was going to say, oh yeah. Well, I just read, this is maybe too dark, but uh, the for, road? for this moment, what's that? The road. Yeah. You should, watch, you should <laughs> read and then watch the road. Um, <laughs> Any Cormac McCarthy book is really <laughs> good right now. I just reread re -read, uh, Plot Against America because, to watch the HBO miniseries. And the, I love Philip Roth, and the book is... So, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the no, book No, no, you're... Uh, that, that, well, you broke up a little bit, so I didn't, I, went, I didn't want people to miss it. So oh, I, yeah, I, the, the Plot Against America by Philip Roth and the miniseries. Um, because uh, I love Philip Roth and that book is really amazing, but it's super dark right now. Um, yes, I, that's why I actually don't want to watch the miniseries. Yeah, the, and the miniseries is actually really well done too. Sure, I mean it's, it's David Simon, right? Yes, David Simon who did The Wire, and yeah, um, but it's a night. It's a cool like imagining of the book. But then on a lighter note, is uh, I'm a huge fan of the Found Footage Festival, which is um, Nick Pruer and uh, Joe. Um, why well, can't I remember Joe's last name right now? Pickett. And, Joe, yeah, Joe, oh, Joe Pickett used to work at The Onion. Yeah, and uh, I think Nick worked on uh, Letterman. Um, maybe they're, the, they're so funny. They're so funny, and those yeah. are my favorite. Their videos are my favorite. They put And they have a lot of specials, and they're doing live uh, VCR party, a thing called VCR party on YouTube. But And they've been a guest on this podcast. I think within the first 10 episodes, we watched uh, – an episode of Full House because they had done a marathon where in one weekend they watched every episode of Full House. Um, but those guys are fucking hilarious and they do uh, the work of, of many men by watching terrible VHS tapes. Now, Craig, before we started the podcast, you said you wanted to talk for 20 minutes uninterrupted about the UCB. Yeah. I, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. About what's going on there? Yeah, it's just, you know, as a representative, like, I feel like it's time for me now to sort of get into the nitty gritty of it. And as a member of the UCB 942, yeah, I... <laughs> as an integral part of the system, 
Um, <laughs> I just want to separate the fact and what the stories are and, you know, just really get to the bottom of it here. I, I hope you're, and, you, and I'll field questions and I'm going to put it out on Twitter so you guys can all ask me. Craig, when was the first time we did this podcast? I was trying to look at that um, on, let me just open up the app that I had up. Unfortunately, okay. we did the first one that we did, it looks like was, shoot, I just had it up. This is going to be annoying to listen to this part. We did Studio 60, The Rap Party, episode 143 of this, but I feel like we did it before. I would, my guess would be like four or five years ago, but I don't know for sure. Does the that first one? The first time we did this? That, that we do, it was longer ago than that. It had to have been. It's, hold on. I mean, when did you start doing this podcast? 2011, I want to say. Probably in 2011. You think that's when it was? Yeah, probably. Um, it's definitely possible. It's 100% possible. So I nine years. Uh, I think. I think. I think it was about 2011. I think I was in like the first 10 episodes, I feel. You, oh, my gosh. Let's see. Found footage was episode four, so that was in 2011. You were not in the first 10, you liar. Sorry. You're not in the first 20, you idiot. Why not? That's a great question. Bad friend. This is, this is I, like, I think people like when they listen to a podcast, especially one that has been out for a while, they like to hear the host scrolling through past episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this, how, how old are you now? I'm 36. How old are you? 37. I just turned 37. Um, how does it feel? And what, what should I look for? How, how scared are you of getting to 40 and will you make it? Um, based on the amount of fever, chills, sore throat, and uh, cardiovascular problems I'm having right now, it's not looking good. No, uh, I think <laughs> I'm, <laughs> uh, I, I'm hoping to make it to 40. I, I'm actually was, I actually feel weirder about turning 37 than I think I will 40. Wow. Yeah, I think 37, I feel like time to get certain things in order. Uh, move on to a different phase that perhaps I'm not completely ready for, but I think is now needs to happen. I feel like that way about 37. All right. Well, I think I've got faith in you. And Thank I, you. the fact that we've kept this going for this long makes me feel like we are, we have our lives together in some way because we, there's a cohesiveness. Do you know what you mean? It's just that we're, we're annoyingly committed to a bit. Yes, exactly. And I, <laughs> I feel like potentially since we, we, it, probably started this in our 20s yeah and yeah. we'll probably continue i mean i'm getting we're, we said we're going to go through every episode they're only about 14 yep. but even if we do one a year we're going to make it to our potentially we could get to age 50 that sounds great i'd love that that sounds great i think i'll have so much more money than you then i think so but i think um the investments that i made in the last week and a half might be really good <laughs> I think I'm probably on you, in, you invested in medicalmasks.com, right? Yes, I invested that and I've invested in panic. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, <laughs> so I that's, think I'm good. That's, that's the way, that's, that's how we get out. That's good. Um, thank you, Seth, so much for doing this. This is very stupid. And um, uh, I, this, I, yeah, it was lovely. This was fun. It's great seeing your face. I hope you um, continue to do well in this very weird time. 
Thank you. You too. And um, I guess I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Thank you for listening to It's That Episode. Um, apologies for any of the weird audio, uh, but you know what? That's what you get. And uh, we're operating in a weird world right now. And that affects the audio quality of your favorite podcasts. Um, will I do another one of these? I don't know. Uh, if you want to know, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Craig Rowan. You can subscribe to this on iTunes or on Stitcher. It's now on Stitcher or SoundCloud. Um, and um, just be safe out there. It's a weird time. It's a weird world. But it, there's still some good in there including Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip and tons of other TV shows. So um, I guess all that's being said, what else is there to say except for adios, amigos?